It's the Summer on the Mount. The next 11 weeks, so through the rest of the summer, as you've already heard, we're going to spend focusing on Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, where Jesus gives his probably his most famous sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're going to look at the portion, chapter 5, verses 3 through 10, that we know as the Beatitudes. And most of you are probably very familiar with them. And even if you're not, you've heard some of the statements that Jesus made in them. And each of those statements in this opening part of his sermon starts with the word blessed. Now, feeling blessed and announcing to everyone you are blessed is quite popular these days. All you have to do is go on social media and look at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you will see how many people are feeling hashtag blessed. Our social media world, if you agree, I'm sure you will, that saying you're blessed has become a way of boasting without trying to um, with trying to sound humble. It's a way of boasting, look what God's doing in my life, but yet still trying to sound humble. We just cover it up with the word blessed. You got a new job? Hashtag blessed. I got a college scholarship? Hashtag, hashtag blessed. Look at me and my beautiful family with this ice cream cone? Hashtag blessed. You get the idea. Of course, Christians, we use that word blessed as well. We pray for God to bless our families. We attribute our undeserved gifts to God's blessings. We talk about our church ministries being blessed. And all of that, it is appropriate and it's understandable. But have you ever paused to think about what it really means to be blessed? And how should we understand the blessing of God? For followers of Jesus, let me ask you this. Is the blessed life really synonymous with the successful life? Is that what we're saying blessed means? Is being blessed just the Christian version of living the good life? Having a loving marriage, obedient children, a successful career, vibrant ministry, a healthy and fit body, trusted friends, and financial abundance. Are these characteristics of a blessed life? And if they are, well then having all of those things should translate into an extraordinary blessed life. But does it really? Is it possible that the person living this type of extraordinary blessed life, would they be greatly tempted to feel self-sufficient and proud? Perhaps rather than turning to God, they would lean on the hard work that got them to this point. Because after all, it produced apparently really good fruit, right? Maybe there wouldn't be a need to cry out to God for help because they have everything they need. They wouldn't need to trust God. They could simply trust in themselves. They wouldn't need God to fill them for they would already be satisfied. However, our desire for God is immensely fueled by our needs. And it is in the areas of loss where we feel our need for him most intensely. When there's a loss of income, loss of friendship, a loss of a loved one or family member, a loss of status, a loss of comfort, a loss of stability, all of these losses fuel our deep need for Jesus. These are the things that keep me in sole reliance on Jesus. This is what deepens my prayer life. This is what drives me to read and to meditate on his word, the Bible, yet amid all of the loss, I experience God's richest blessing. It's in our loss 
that we gain a stronger faith than we had ever experienced before. It's in our loss that we gain a deeper love and trust for Jesus than we'd ever known. It's often in our loss and trials that we experience and we ground our faith in ways that prosperity and abundance never could or can. While our losses and our trials, they're not blessings in themselves. They can be channels for blessing. There's a popular song called Blessings by a Christian artist named Laura Story. I want to read you the lyrics of the chorus of that song. She wrote, what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know, God, you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are really mercies in disguise? This revolutionary idea of blessing is actually rooted in scripture. And it is the opening message in this kingdom manifesto that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, these are familiar words to you, but I am going to ask that we all stand today as we read these Beatitudes. Let's read God's word together. They're going to put put it on the screen. Join me in this. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, today we live in a world that has a whole different meaning of happiness and blessing than you intended. And the sad reality is that as followers of Jesus, many of us do too. We have confused your blessing with promotions, full bank accounts, happy marriages, obedient children, and good circumstances. I pray that as we look to your sermon, that you would preach today, that your spirit would speak, remove any obstacles, remove any blinders that are in our hearts or in our minds, so that we would be obedient followers of Jesus, thereby building a foundation that is on a rock that can withstand the storms. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you do a search for the word bless, blessing, or blessed in one particular version of the Bible, the English Standard Version, you'll come up with 112 references. 112 references to the word blessing or its variation in the New Testament. However, none of those references connect blessing to material prosperity. Now you'll be grateful to know we're not going through all 112 this morning, but I am going to show you a few. If you go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke writes, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
Even Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, said, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Even go to the letter from James, the brother of Jesus. He wrote, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. John the Revelator, the author of the book of Revelation, wrote, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. There is no hint of blessing being connected to material prosperity or circumstances that are perfect in any New Testament reference. On the contrary, blessing is often Uh, Typically connected either with poverty or that of spiritual benefits of having faith in Jesus Christ. However, in our world today, we look at blessing as things, material things. Things that we gain, great positive circumstances. I love Pastor, Pastor Brian Wilkerson. I love what he wrote. He wrote, if today's culture, if the world in our Western 21st century were to write their own Beatitudes, they would sound something like this. Blessed are the rich and famous because they can always get a seat at the best restaurants. <laughs> Blessed are the good looking for they shall be on the cover of People magazine. Blessed are those who party for they know how to have fun. Blessed are those who take first place in the division, for they shall have momentum going into the playoffs. Blessed are the movers and shakers, for they will make a name for themselves. Blessed are those who demand their own rights, for they shall not be overlooked. Blessed are the healthy and fit, because they don't mind being seen in a bathing suit. Blessed are those who make it to the top, because they get to look down on everyone else. This is how the world defines blessing. But if that's not it, what is blessing? What is Jesus trying to teach us in this opening of this sermon? If you could sum it down to one statement, I believe you could say this. The blessed life is a life fully satisfied in Jesus. See, blessing is not about the things you receive here on earth. Blessing isn't about longing and trying to have circumstances in a situation where everything is picture perfect. The blessed life, the good life, the happy life is a life that is fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. Each of those sentences or statements that Jesus spoke and that we just read start with one word, blessed. And blessed, if you look in the New Testament, in the Greek, which the New Testament was written, is makarios. From the root word makar, which literally in English means happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. However, it is a happiness in the Greek that is not based upon positive circumstance. The idea of makarios, or this word happy or blessing, it was directly connected to the gods that the Greeks served at that time. Here's what I mean. The idea was that the Greek gods were makarios. They were happy. They were blessed in themselves. And the Greeks believed that it was a state unaffected by the world of men who were subject to poverty, weakness, and death. So Jesus, using this same word, blessed, or makarios, the idea is that the word is an inward happiness. That is the result not of circumstances. It's an inner peace, an inner joy, an inner happiness not produced or affected by circumstances. But rather it is based on the character of God himself. 
However, we live in a world where happiness is not only our primary pursuit, but is also our right. You will remember from history class, the Continental Congress drafted the Declaration of Independence in 1776. It included these words, which you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are three things, what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Most in the Western world believe the pursuit of happiness is a right. But something has changed in our 21st century. More and more, we tend to believe that it's not just the pursuit of happiness that is a right, but being happy itself is a right. Remember, though, this sermon, this kingdom, manifest, this kingdom manifesto was meant to disrupt and turn on its head the values and the ways of this world, the kingdom of earth. And in Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, happiness or being blessed is not subject to feeling good about oneself, one life, or one's situation. Happiness in the kingdom of this world is a right, and it's achievable now. In this world, the people will say, the world will say, this pursuit of happiness never ends. However, it's like a treadmill that you can't get off of or you can't escape. Both happiness and unhappiness in this world, in the kingdom of earth, are based largely upon comparison. You comparing yourself to what you have or what you don't have to other people. But that is not the happiness Jesus speaks of in the Beatitudes. It's not the blessed life that Jesus is trying to teach his followers when it comes to the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with our condition in life, and it has everything to do with our love for him and our love for others, as well as us obeying what he says. Jesus is saying, if you want to be blessed, if you want to understand what the good life is, or living the blessed life in my kingdom, it's loving me, loving your neighbor, and doing what I have commanded you to do. Jesus preached, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning we are blessed when we recognize our desperate need for Jesus. For when we are desperate from him, when we recognize that we have fallen short and our need for him, he will bring us into his kingdom. He said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Meaning we are blessed when we mourn for our sin. When we mourn for the ways in which we have not lived up to God's word or his standard. Recognizing that in that moment when we pray a prayer of repentance, Jesus will forgive and restore us to the life he intended us to have. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meaning we are blessed when we keep our strength under control. For in that we will inherit the earth. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Meaning we are blessed when we desire to do God's will and we pursue living a life for Jesus. In that we will lack nothing. Jesus said blessed are the merciful for they will be shown meaning. Meaning we will be blessed when we show mercy to others, when we forgive others. And by doing that, we demonstrate that we understand the mercy, the grace, and the forgiveness that has been shown to us. 
Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Meaning we are blessed when we examine the motives of our heart. Like David who wrote, search my heart, test my thoughts. When we examine the motives of our actions, Jesus says we will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are blessed when we bring peace to those around us. When we bring peace to our community, when we bring peace to our neighborhood, in that moment we're the son and we're the daughter of God. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We are blessed when we are persecuted for living a life consistent with the ways of Jesus. There's a man that, when I say his name, many of you will know, some of you will not. It's Coach Scott Lang. Coach Scott Lang began his coaching career at LaRoche University in 1993 as the assistant men's basketball coach. If you're not familiar, LaRoche University is located about 5 to 10 minutes from here in the North Hills, just up McKnight Road. Four years later, after he became the assistant coach, he became the head coach at 27 years of age. And at that time, it made him the youngest NCAA men's head coach in the country. However, tragically, on December 10th, 2010, while leading a Red Hawks team practice, Coach Lang collapsed in the middle of practice on the middle, in the middle of the court, and he later died. He was 41 years of age. What many of you know, but some of you do not, is that Coach Lang was a longtime member here at Allegheny Center Alliance Church. It was my predecessor, Pastor Rock Dilliman, who officiated his memorial service. The reason I'm bringing him to your attention is because there were two words that Coach Lang repeated all the time. There were two words that whenever he sent an email were always at the bottom above his name. There were two words that his family knew. There were two words that his friends knew because he repeated it often. There were two words that were always said in practice, that they were always challenged to the team. And those two words were this, stay blessed. That was his motto, stay blessed. In their first game after the death of their coach, the Red Hawks courageously played and they won 75 to 60. And they kept the winning streak of 17 games. You have to understand that up till that point, the history in the history of LaRoche University men's basketball, they had not won more than 15 games in a season. And that season end, the season where they lost their coach, ended with 25 wins and three losses. The Red Hawks won their first AMCC tournament title, and they made their first trip to the NCAA Division III tournament. ESPN later, you can Google this, it's on YouTube. ESPN would later do a short documentary on Coach Lang and the season that the LaRoche Redhawks had. To this day, if you go to LaRoche, the basketball court is named the Scott Lang Court. And on one side, it has those two words, stay blessed. What you may not know and what I didn't know at the time, when my family and I came here to ACAC just almost four years ago, our son was graduating high school, and he played high school basketball, and he was recruited by LaRoche University. He was recruited by their current coach, Coach Hermie Carmichael, who was an assistant under Scott Lang. And Caden went on to play for one year at LaRoche University, and I asked him this past week, I said, Caden, did you ever hear the words, stay blessed when you were at LaRoche? 
said, yeah, Dad, they would say it all the time. The legacy of Scott Lang were those two words, stay blessed. You see, what Coach Lang understood was that blessing was not based on circumstance. Stay blessed. Blessing, as Coach Lang understood, was that the blessed life is a life that is fully satisfied in Jesus. So for us as followers of Jesus, Jesus is calling us to the blessed life. But it's not about you receiving more things on earth. It's not about your marriage being perfect, the relationship with your kids being perfect, your job being perfect, having no storms. That is not what it means to walk in God's blessing. All those things are good, and it is a way in which he blessed us. But Jesus is saying, no, you can have my blessing in the midst of the storm when you are fully satisfied in me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I really hesitate to say what I'm going to say because I never want to be critical of other pastors or ministries. But it is my responsibility as your pastor to warn you. This is not a popular message and there are those even in the city that will promise you prosperity. That God's blessing equates to you having a better car, you having a better job, you having greater finances. Let me be clear, God isn't against those things, but that is not what it means to be blessed. And those things are not promised in the Bible. And any preacher or pastor that promises you or teaches that from this word, word is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Nowhere in the New Testament is blessing connected with prosperity, material abundance, or having a life that's perfect. Jesus said, pick up your cross and die daily. Jesus didn't live a rich life here on earth. God does bless us. He provides. He wants to provide for you, but it is not a promise. And don't follow him thinking that that's what you're going to get. Amen? Amen. Dads, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you before you leave. Here's what I'm going to ask. I know that there's a lot of couples here. So spouse, if you're here, would you grab your husband's hand? There's some daughters and sons here. If you're standing or sitting near your, your dad, would you just grab their hand or put their hand on the shoulder. And I recognize that there's a lot of single or widow in here as well. Maybe you're sitting near a friend or you know someone who's a father. I just want you to put your hand on them. But every dad, every father, I want them to be prayed over today. Father in heaven, we live in a world and a culture that is where the family is under attack. Specifically, men are under attack. God, our marriages, our relationship with our kids. And Lord, it's one of the great strategies that the enemy uses. So I pray over all of our fathers today. I pray you would protect their eyes. Protect their ears. I pray that you would teach them 
that being a husband, being a father, being the head of their home is compared to how you are our father. So, Lord, there's some men in here today. There's some dads that need to step up. God, I ask that you would give them the strength, that they wouldn't feel that it's all on them where they got to try harder, but they would lean on you and that your Holy Spirit would help them to be a better father, to be a better dad. I pray for the relationships that are broken. There are some dads here today that they don't have relationship with their son or their daughter. Lord, do something today to turn that around. There are some marriages here today that are on the verge of being broken. Would you restore that? Lord, remove the guilt and shame that is over some of these men today. May your grace and your goodness wash over them today. Lord, help us raise godly little girls, godly little boys to grow up to love you with their whole heart. Help us to do that. Help us as a church to stand beside these men. And Father, today, Help us to understand that the blessed life is not in material things. It's not in having everything perfect. That even in the midst of the storm of the rain, God, we can live a blessed life. Help us to stay blessed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day.